0: Hi, I'm Aspen, and this is the podcast for Center Point Church. All summer we are going through the book of Psalms to hear about the struggles of real people that we can all relate to. So join us for this series called Summer in the Psalms. Let's jump into the message.
1: Good morning. Oh, come on, you can do better than that. Good morning. It's 1030. There you go. All right, that's better. It's so good to be here with you this morning and have an opportunity to share God's word with you in my heart. Um I've had a lot of thoughts, and as I I looked over things this morning, and uh, I was talking to Jeremy, I shared this with the the earlier service this morning, to be able to share the stage with Lauren, and uh, in just a few moments you'll hear from Caden Bible as well. It's super humbling having grown up in this church in my faith that this is the only church home my wife and I have ever known, but to see the generations that we led When we were in youth ministry and to see even their children and children growing and being raised up to be great men and women of God and to share their heart and to be used for him. So I think that uh, that deserves a round of applause. Well, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Jeff Warden and I serve as a deacon in this house. My wife, Tina, and I have had the privilege of growing old in this church in our faith since 1998. Well, let me me rephrase that. Maybe I'm the only one that's getting older because the Disney princess I married 38 years ago never ages. Patrick, you can use that. I have a question for you this morning. Have you ever looked back at your life in where you are today in your faith journey and wondered, how did I get here? Or thought to yourself, this life that I live doesn't make sense. Man, I sure have. Whether you've been walking with Christ for many years or just a short time, or maybe you're still trying to figure this Jesus thing out, guess what? your life doesn't have to make sense to bring glory to God. In fact, that's where He, with a capital H, shines the brightest. Through our weaknesses, our insecurities, our failures, our hurts, and our scars. The passage of Psalms that I selected today is in chapter 139. Verses 14 through 16, it's a psalm of praise written by David for who God made him to be. And I'd encourage you to take these verses to heart to give praise for who God created you to be. He says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you and I, when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. For me, these verses sum it all up. They've been a great source of encouragement whenever I have felt inadequate or less than. My hope is that these same words would be encouraging to those of you like me that may struggle to find value in yourselves through Christ and not the world. Psalms 139.16 reinforces our belief here at Centerpoint Church that you were made on purpose and for a purpose. It says, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Let's break that down just a little bit and let it sink in. You saw my unformed body. Each one of you and me were on God's heart and in his mind before you ever took a breath or your heart beat for the first time. You were not born by fate, luck, or coincidence. You were created with intent and purpose, and each of you matter. He goes on to say that all the days ordained for me, think about that, the creator had you in mind when he mapped out your life. Everyone has intentional purpose in Christ, and you are alive because God has a purpose and a plan for you. before one of them came to be, God carefully mapped out your life's purpose and course, even before you were born. That's not to say that the trials and the battles in your life, the hurt, were placed there intentionally. It does speak to, however, how our scars and our trials shape us in spite of And in spite of them, God's purpose in our lives will be fulfilled when we submit them to him. All throughout scripture we read where God used the broken and the ordinary to do extraordinary things. Moses wasn't well spoken, yet he was chosen to lead the Israelites out of slavery. And bondage from Egypt, King David was the smallest of eight brothers, sons of Jesse, and was anointed to defeat the Philistine giant Goliath and his army. 1 Samuel 16:7 is a relevant Old Testament reminder of how God sees us versus the way we see ourselves or view others around us through worldly and human eyes. It says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. He was speaking of one of David's brothers whom was thought to be the one selected to go up against the giant. The Lord does not look at the things the people look at. People look at the outward appearance But the Lord looks at the heart. Do not consider his appearance. God made each of you to be you. Just the way you are. Not to be the person that you aspire to be or you think is blessed more than you or has greater gifts and talents. God created you to be who you are. The Lord doesn't look at the things people look at. You are God's masterpiece. Nothing about you is accidental. It was designed, and your life was designed with intent and purpose. Furthermore, the Lord looks on, and he says he looks at the heart. God created you to love you for you to love on the people around you in the hope that they might find him and find the hope that you have in Christ Jesus though a light-hearted example Tina and I love to travel specifically cruising is our absolute favorite well smiling is my favorite <laughs> but cruising takes a good second best And it never seems to fail in our adventures and our travels because of my great looks, my really cool mustache, and a few tattoos. I've been called out by locals, everything from Pancho Villa in Mexico to Harley Davidson in the Bahamas. And on our last trip, a young Indian fella that was serving us was calling me, Tootle. Actually, he thought I was Paul Tuttle of Orange County Choppers. <laughs> I wish I were that cool. Let me tell you, the, the most aggressive thing I have ever been on with two wheels is a 1978 Honda goped when I was 14. There's nothing about that that says chick magnet all the way up to my tube socks that hit my knees. (laughs) But if I could genuinely share my heart with you this morning and let the veil down, so to speak, as far back as I can remember, I have struggled internally with feeling less than, being small in stature physically less than intellectually and comparing myself to those around me that I thought were smarter. I remember having to have a tutor in grade school because math was so challenging to me. I can literally visualize sitting at the kitchen table the night before school working on math homework with my dad with tears in my eyes because I didn't understand fractions or division. It scared me, and it made me feel weak. Even into my high school years as a grocery store cashier, if the registers went down and I had to count you back change, I would break out into a panicky sweat. My gifts have always been in my artistic ability, music that came naturally, and a heart for people. Fast forward to now. Proof that God does have a sense of humor. At the age of 58, for the last 21 years, God decided to place me as an owner in a successful business that requires me to use math on a daily basis. Yeah, funny, right? (laughs) If you only knew. I review profit and loss statements, which I had no idea what one was before I started. I have to project sales, profits, and expenses. I know he's really funny. But God used the very things that I was afraid of to put me in a place where I could minister to the needs of the customers that I serve, the team that I lead, and to encourage others in the hope that they might see Christ in me and find their way to the cross. Isaiah 55:8 says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. We have this picture of how things should work and where God should place us and what he wants to do with us. But today I want to encourage you to praise God for you and who he made you to be. Embrace who you are in Christ as a creation of the one who was, who is, and is to come. And in spite of what the world may see or say, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Isaiah 55, 11 brings us to a close. This was a verse that came to me after I had prepared my notes but it's so relevant it says so is my heart that goes out from my mouth it will not return to me empty but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it each one of you are fearfully and wonderfully made just as God's Word said You were created on purpose and for a purpose. And if you will allow God to take the very things that may cause you discomfort or fear, he will use you in a mighty way. And your purpose will not return to him void, just as his word would not. Thank you. Well, I'd like for you to give a big round, to, a round of applause to Caden Bible. Gonna, Caden is going to share a verse, a passage that he selected for us this morning that means a lot to him. And, uh, and I'm going to pass the mic off to him, and then we're just going to talk about it a little bit. How's that, Caden? All right.
2: The Lord is my strength and shield. I trust in him with all my heart. He helps me, and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in, in, in songs of thanksgiving.
1: Very good, Caden. So that passage is found in Psalms 28, verse 7. So Caden, when you picked this verse, why was it so important to you, and what did it mean?
2: So the first line that, was in it, it meant that he was, that he always had us in his hands and he never, ever wasn't protecting us. He was always.
1: He is always our shield, isn't he? Amen. He says that I trust him with all my heart and he helps me. And my heart is filled with joy. What do those words mean to you?
2: You would give everything for him. And all the blessings that he does gives joy to the earth.
1: Absolutely. So tell me what you mean by like everything. Like I'm a little fuzzy.
2: Like everything. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Like all all of me, I can't so okay, let's just say you're a dollar. Or I'm a dollar. So we can't just give him like twenty five cents worth? Nope. No. Like what about fifty? No. 75's got to be a little more accessible. No. All in, 100%. Yes. Wow, that's heavy. Man, so he wants all of us. Yep. Yeah, awesome. He goes on to say, I burst out into songs of thanksgiving. That's
2: kind of like worship.
1: Amen. <laughs> Y'all give it up for Caden Bible. All right.
0: Got to give me a second to get situated. My name is Lauren, and if you are a first-time guest with us here today, we hope you feel welcome. Uh, Not only do we hope you feel welcome, our pastor said in his words, pray for your boy, because I'm serving in Tiny Town all morning long. So that is where our pastor is at, and we are just three imperfect people up here talking about exactly what we sing in worship, that our God saves. He gives us a testimony and we don't have to fear. Uh, I was walking in the hall on Wednesday night and I ran into Caden and he said, hey, Lauren. I said, yeah? He said, I'll see you on stage on Sunday. (laughs) I said, yeah, you will, buddy. And he said, I'm a little nervous. And I said, me too. He said, you are? I said, of course I am. I don't do this for a living and neither do you, but we just gotta give it our best shot, right? And he said, yeah, we do. So I tell you that because no matter what age you are, the reality of it is, it is hard to get up here. So give him another round of applause, please. And I'm pretty sure anytime that I see an email, an email that comes across with a subject line, three and 30 from Pastor Jason, I'm like, oh no, instant cold sweat because it's not super comfortable to be up here, but I can tell you that I do love the word of God and I love the book of Psalms for so many reasons. Part of the reason why I love the book of Psalms is that it falls right in the middle of our Bible. My daughter this morning was like, how do I find Psalms? I said, you open it up. If you've gone to Proverbs, you've gone too far. And it's right in the middle of the Bible, sandwiched in between all of these stories and God is showing us that we are able to come directly to him with all of our fears, all of our needs, because it's David, mostly David, writing a real and raw prayer to God over the course of his life. And another reason why I love the book of Psalms is because my life chapter falls in this book. And I don't just have one verse, life verse, I have an entire chapter because I'm completely indecisive and so I have to have the whole thing. But I picked this life chapter at a pretty young age. And so I'm gonna talk about um, when I was 14 years old, and I'm gonna talk about it because it's a core memory of mine. And like Jeff said, I have been born and raised in this church. I was baptized by my grandfather somewhere behind this massive screen back there. And um, this is my home. I'm proud of Center Point. I'm proud to be a part of this place. But my family also moved quite a bit. And so if you know my story, you know a little bit about that. And there was this one particular move where we moved to the state of Arkansas. And I can remember thinking, why Arkansas? What is an Arkansas? I'm from Nashville. And we moved to Arkansas, and in this particular move, it was a little bit harder than normal because uh, my mom, for her reasons, medical reasons, could not move with us, and so I moved with my dad and my stinky little brother, and it was just the two of us, like, when you're a 14-year-old girl, your mom should be your best friend, right? And so I had to move without my mom. And I can remember us pulling into the parsonage. Y'all remember that word, that old school word, parsonage? That's the house on campus where they let you live if you have no place to stay and you're on staff at a church. And so I can remember uh, taking my dad to this parsonage and looking over at this other small house. And when I say small, I'm, I mean, that's a relative term, but I would say around 1,200 square foot, So a decent-sized house. But I look over, and I'm like, Dad, there are 19 kids, if not more, living in that house over there. And he said, yeah, that's the Duggar family. And I said, okay, so we're living next to the Duggars. I have no idea who they are, but we live next to the Duggars. And so that was my first impression of Arkansas. But I remember walking into a student service one night and honestly being frustrated, just really angry. We had moved a few times at this point, so it's a new school New home, new town, zero friends at all, and I remember walking into a service and thinking, "God, why did you bring me here?" Just like what you're talking about, Jeff. Why did you bring me here? This is uncomfortable for me. I've already actually told God that this morning. Why did you bring me here? This is uncomfortable for me. <laughs> I'm it's still same same story, different day. Um, but so in the middle of our worship set. I can remember getting to the point of a song, and this is what we call the interlude, okay? So you know what I'm talking about. Our hands are up, palms open, eyes closed, and we are just waiting while there's just instrumental playing, waiting to hear, are we just gonna worship on our own for a second, or is somebody about to step up and give a word? And about that time, I open up my eyes, and there's this young, college-aged guy, and he steps into the light, and he does this, like, flip with his hair like they used to do in the 2000s, you know, like this majestic flip of his hair. And all I could think was, wow, he's cute. (laughs) Super cute. My daughter thinks that's so funny. She's, she's heard me rehearse this a ton of times in the bathroom, of course, because that's the logical place you rehearse a sermon is in the bathroom, right? My husband has approved this message. Don't worry. (laughs) But he was cute and he had my immediate attention. Okay. But here's the deal. He got up. And he quoted by memory, by heart, the most beautiful psalm I have ever heard in my entire life, and that is Psalm 63. And so if you've got your Bible, I want you to go ahead and turn there. I actually have my Bible, this service, from high school. And when I was studying for this message this week, uh, I had not looked at this chapter in this particular Bible in a really long time, but of course it's circled. And off to the side, it says, Element Weekend, that was the student service, lead singer of 10th Avenue North. Anybody remember 10th Avenue North? Yeah. Nobody? Yeah? Some of you? Well, until a week ago, I didn't realize that this guy that's always been in this core memory that shared his testimony on stage had no idea he went on to legit be a part of a legit band. So I think that's awesome. We're going to read Psalm 63. Starting in verse one, it says, God, you are my God. I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you, my body faints for you in a land that is dry, desolate, and without water. So I gaze on you in the sanctuary to see your strength and your glory. My lips will glorify you because your faithful love is better than life. So I will bless you as long as I live. At your name, I will lift up my hands. You satisfy me as with rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I think of you as I lie on my bed, I meditate on you during the night watches because you are my helper. I will rejoice in the shadow of your wings. I follow close to you. Your right hand holds on to me. The KJV says, my soul followeth hard after thee. And I can't tell you why that night, that Psalm just resonated with me so much, but I can tell you this. When that guy took the stage and I'm in my low moment and I see him get up on stage and give this testimony of scripture, all I could think of is I want that, whatever he has. I've been believing Jesus for a while, but he's got something different than what I've had. And I've never experienced God in a way that he apparently has experienced God. He's got a hunger. He's got a hunger like David who wrote this psalm. And this is my life chapter because I would say in the last 18 months, I've kind of determined, you know, we're all gonna leave this earth at some point, right? And we want good things to be said about us. Good mom, she was a good friend. She was super loyal. But in the last 18 months, I've narrowed it down that if I could have one thing written on my tombstone, it would be that Lauren sought God. She followed hard after him. That's it. I want that for my kids. Maddie, sought God. Liv, sought God. I pray over their feet at night. Give them feet that run to you, Jesus. And why? David says in verse 3, he says, Because your faithful love is better than life. It's better than anything. And David's saying, God, you are good not because what you can do for me, but who you are and because of your faithfulness. So here's what I've come up with. One of the only things that we have control over is the level in which we seek him, right? Our pastor says it all the time, you can have as much of God as you want. So we have control over that. But here's the deal, the level in which we seek him is based off the level in which we believe him. That we believe he says who he is. We see this in the very first verse of that chapter, as David says, God, you are my God, my Elohim, my creator. And this is in a time where they're worshiping tons of pagan gods, no different than us right now, when we turn on the television or social media, there are people worshiping a ton of things that are not of God, that are not of God's people, and actually go directly against God, right? We see that. And David is saying, God, you are it, you're my one and only, I know you are, who you said you are. The level in which we believe that God detests gossip because it ruins relationships, it ruins people's character, it causes disunity, it twists things, it twists his goodness. The level in which we believe any, insert any sin, is going to determine the level in which we participate in it, right? Same thing for his goodness. The level in which we believe that we are chosen that God calls us by name, that he's anointed us, that he is for us, that he's working all things out for our good changes the way we walk into a room. It changes the way we feel like we belong because we know where our hope is at. Belief impacts behavior. So I've been wrestling with this all week. How do we seek God like David did? How do we believe we say we believe, but how do we really believe he is who he said he is? And we start by we position ourselves close to the truth. There's a verse in Matthew, and it says, seek first the kingdom of God. I've heard so many conversations, but what does that look like? How do you seek first the kingdom of God? How do you seek God? And the reality is we seek God by looking at his word and seeing what did he make a priority? because he doesn't change. It says that on the back foyer, that we are seeking ever-changing people for a never changing God. That's what we're here for. He doesn't change, we change, right? So we look at the word and say, God, what did you make a priority then? Because whatever you said was important then has to be important now, right? So what did he say? Relationships, people matter, worship, holiness, which is really hard, rest. We seek God by looking at his word and seeing what was important. And then we also do that in community. I want to encourage you, find someone who is seeking God harder than you are. Harder than you are. Find someone you can come up underneath and say, teach me how to pray. Teach me how to walk this out. Teach me what does confession look like? Find someone that is seeking God harder than you, and the last thing I have for you is to get proactive for attack. I don't know if you've noticed, but we are chosen by God to walk out following him in a world that absolutely hates everything we stand for. They hate truth. The world hates truth. And so we have to get proactive for attack. I don't think it's ironic that the life of David, his anointing was at a young age, yet his journey to king his journey through his life was all over the map. And I think sometimes we think that once we get our anointing that it's gonna be smooth sailing. And I mean that for all of us, we're all chosen, we're all called to do different things. But the reality of it is when we encounter difficulty, we start to question if God really asked us to do something. I saw this quote on Instagram and it says, what was the last thing God told you to do before it got hard? And that, I felt that. What was the last thing God told you to do before it got hard? Was it befriend someone that you don't feel like you have time for, but you know they really need a friend? Was it to work on your marriage? Was it to join a connect group? Was it to lead a connect group? What was the last thing God told you to do before it got hard? Because it's likely that he didn't change his mind but we get distracted and we get defeated and we get burned out and we have to build that muscle of resilience that says, God, I'm going to seek you no matter what. I'm gonna seek you and the things that you make a priority because I know who you are, I believe who you are and that you've done what you said you would do. And because you are who you are, I'm gonna to continue to walk this out. I'm gonna have a little bit of grit, right? We need some grit today. We got to build that muscle of resilience that says, even when I feel alone, I will seek you. Even when all of my friends are in another season than I am and I just want to be over there doing what they're doing but you've called me over here and I'm alone, I'm gonna seek you. Even when I really mess up and I did that thing last night that I said I would never do again and I have to wake up and I'm gonna come right to you God and say, I'm sorry, but I seek you. My soul followeth hard after thee. Let us be people whose souls follow hard after him.